Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Bijou Banter. In the Zoom studio today, we have Gamer Gurgle Hoyer. Hello. And myself, Matthew Ha. And today is Friday, February 17th of 2023. And we're going to be talking about two films. One that is that just opened in theaters, and the other one was in theaters recently, but also can be found on streaming. And that is Ant-Man and the Wasp's Quantumania and RRR. And we're going to begin with the former, Ant-Man and the Wasp's Quantumania, which I'll probably just refer to as either Ant-Man 3 or Quantumania because it's a mouthful of a title, is the 31st film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and is also the first film in Phase 5. It was directed by Peyton Reed, who has directed the other Ant-Man films, and it stars Paul Rudd, Evangeline Lilly, Jonathan Majors, Catherine Newton, Bill Murray, Michelle Pfeiffer, and Michael Douglas. And the basic plot of this new Ant-Man film is that it's about um, Scott Lang and his family who... Get, who travel into the quantum realm, which is sort of like this alternate universe where time doesn't exist, and they become face-to-face with Kang the Conqueror. Mm-hmm. And and then a bunch of stuff happens for two hours. So, yeah, what'd you think? Well, yeah, that's how that's how you describe it. A bunch of stuff happens for two hours. Um, I mean, I never really had much hype going into this film. Um, I mean, I always liked the Ant-Man films all right. All right. I mean, I think they're very... Uh, um i've always found them to be like a palette cleanser after like a big marvel film um like you know it was the palette cleanser for age of ultron it was a palette cleanser for infinity war and that's where where those films kind of stayed they were just nice fun films were they the best marvel films far from it but they were always fun to watch and i think you know people kind of underappreciate them a little bit um, but with this, it's like, this is the first time we're actually getting an Ant-Man film where, where, where the stakes are a little bit higher and, you know, it, it's less focused on those small scale stories that were in those first two films and now is in a bigger scale story. And I think that's kind of my issue with it is that, I mean, I, you have Kang in this movie, but Jonathan Majors just really chewing up the scenery with his performance. And then after that, it's like, and then you you got some creative ideas of like within the quantum realm, but then otherwise it's just a very underwhelming film. It doesn't have much story-wise going. It's like, you know, these elements could work, but why is this in an Ant-Man film? These are... Because I feel like you know the MCU has always treated Ant Man like you know as a palette cleanser, and you know, yes, I want to see him in like a more serious role, but I just think it just wasn't the way to go about it. So, yeah, I I like the Ant Man films quite a bit actually. Um, I I agree with what you said. They are most definitely could be described as palette cleansers. They're not the biggest MCU story. But I don't think they ever tried to be anything bigger than what they they were. And that's what I found so likable about them is that they're small scale stories. It's about just like a petty criminal who happens to get, get this suit that makes him shrink. It's just like, yeah, that's a simple hero. It doesn't need to be a grand grandiose like exploration universe bending movie. So it's very small scale. And because of those because of his his powers and his skills, it allows the action to be incredibly fun, unique, and creative, which sets it apart from MCU films in a in a way that I find to be good. And I don't I don't really know why a lot of people don't seem to acknowledge that. I don't think there's a ton of Ant-Man haters, but it's just people say like it's pretty average. But I think there's a lot to them that make them stand out. So because of that, um I I was I was anticipating Ant-Man 3. And then when I heard it was gonna be about the quantum realm that was kind of a red flag but also something that i was interested because we've always heard about the quantum realm especially in the previous film which i haven't seen ant-man and the wasps this the second one since the theater so i i'm I'm not as fresh on it but they explore a lot of those prospects and there's certain scenes where it's like oh it's like really like wild and weird like this would be cool to set a whole movie around so there was that to look forward to and the trailers it's wasn't didn't impress me too much so i was just like i don't know this maybe this will just be maybe this will just be mediocre at best and unfortunately this was not really mediocre it was kind of not good which is unfortunate it's not the worst mcu project but there are a ton of flaws with this film um of course this is the first film in phase five so i understand that now 
Marvel is setting up Kang to be the next Thanos. But the problem is that why was this in an Ant-Man film? Like introducing Kang in an Ant-Man film is not a horrible idea considering he's not from our reality. But if you want to do that, maybe this would have been better for Guardians of the Galaxy then. The Guardians explore all kinds of weird like people and universes and creatures. So it's like, I think that would work too. But like in Ant-Man, it's just, it almost jumps the shark in a way. Like there's no connection between Ant-Man 2 and this third one. It's like completely different. The only thing that really stays the same are the protagonists. And the problem is that because it's setting up so much for the next, let's say two phases, the characters have literally nothing to do. And it just comes off as so stale and boring too. And what really, really does not help about this movie is that the quantum realm is so ugly. It's one of the ugliest looking movies I've seen in such a long time. This, And I do think it is the worst looking MCU film. Like the effects are bad. The worlds aren't creative. The green screen is really, really noticeable. Everything looks like so flat and murky. Like there's no life to anything going on on the screen. And this movie takes is like 95% green screen. There's hardly any practical effects. And I'm just like, why is this getting into like the Star Wars prequel territory now? Like people have been like kind of crapping on MCU effects for like many, many years. And we've brought that up with literally every single MCU project I think we've ever talked about on Bijou Banter. But this is the first time where it's like, you know what? I, I think this is justified. Like I, I'll defend some stuff in like Thor 4, for example. Thor 4 is not a great looking movie, but there's some shots that are like at least colorful and interesting. There's nothing here in Ant-Man 3 where it's like, oh, that looks passable. It just, it, it's so ugly. I cannot stress that enough. And so other than that, um, it's just not a very interesting movie. And that's mm-hmm. disappointing. Like I just came out of the theater thinking like, all right, that was kind of, that was kind of lame and I don't, I don't really remember much about it despite everything they're trying to set up. Yeah, I mean, I think it's like, you know, these, like the whole idea of like this realm is like very interesting in uh, concept, I think. Um, Cause you know, there's a lot of like inventive designs. Like I would do like how, like when they like look at this one building and it comes to life. Like I do like that type of concept. Like, oh, it's like, yeah, it's a very different type of place than we're used to. And, you know, there's like some interesting ideas on paper, but I think it's just like it, like you said, it just comes off as like pretty generic sci-fi. Yeah, there's um, no character to it. Yeah, because it's like you try to get like these characters that can kind of either work as comic relief or just throwaway characters they really there's no personality to them and you know at this at this movie was like you know able to like explore this realm a little bit more and you know give it more of an identity than just like what everything you see in like a sci-fi film like this like it's kind i mean i could say it's like taking a lot from star wars in some respects where you know you're going to this different place and it's like a whole bunch of different creatures but it just doesn't have that identity. That's like the main issue. It's like you see them shrink down. It's like there's creatures, but then there's people that look like humans. And it's like, I mean, yeah, we don't really question it in Star Wars, but at least like you can say like, yeah, they're humans, but in like some of them are actually alien here. It's like mixed between both. <laughs> it's it's hard to tell. Well, it's, it's not with that, but it's like, in my opinion, the creature designs are not interesting. And that's a major problem. We're, regardless of what movie you're trying to tell, if you are making a sci-fi movie, like exploring a new universe or new galaxy, I want the creatures to look like cool. I want them to have a distinct style. And in Ant-Man 3, there's not one character that I feel like looks interesting though. They all look like rejected Star Wars characters to me. Like, I guess the only one that I thought was kind of interesting, which is like the is the one creature who I thought had a his head was a flashlight. But I guess it's like a like a science beaker yeah and there's like he has like formulas in the back so like well wait what's like his eyes then like is this is the science oozes like his brain like it only raises more questions when you think about it more and more which is not good in this type of story and i wouldn't like people complain about thor 4 which i guess is like the only not the only one but that was that was a movie where a lot of people were complaining about the cgi at least that film had a nicer color palette. Like there were some scenes that might not have looked convincing, but it was at least pretty to look at. Like I liked the whole um, scene with Zeus in that movie 
that's at least interesting to look at. It's bright. I can see what's happening. In Ant-Man, there's some scenes that are so poorly lit and the color mm-hmm. palette is so like brown and like a really ugly shade of yellow that I couldn't even tell what was going on. Like this is a movie with with a decent amount of action and you can't really tell what's happening though. It's like a whole bunch of stuff is happening, but it's like, what does this have to do to like move the story, this story, Ant-Man 3 forward and not just ex- not just being a trailer for what we're going to expect for the next like three years of MCU content. Yeah. And I was like realizing this when I got into the car after I left the theater like an hour ago, but um, it was like, and this is an issue with the MCU and it's nothing against like, you know, Paul Rudd as Ant-Man, but the thing that makes like, you know, these phases of the MCU much different than the early phases is that there's not really a main character to latch onto anymore. Um, Because when you get like the first like three phases of the MCU, like, you know, all that is set up, but you know, they were all like characters we could latch onto pretty easily. Like Iron Man and Captain America, we were able to latch onto them and it's like, and they had a dynamic with the villain. And it's not to say that, you know, Ant-Man doesn't have a dynamic with Kang. I mean, I think in the comics, there was a dynamic there. And there was actually a point where Ant-Man was the leader of the Avengers at one point, too. But it's just like, there is a conflict there. But it's like, is this going to be the main conflict going forward between Ant-Man and Kang? It's like, we're not... And yeah, I get it. The Avengers, they're a team. They all... I mean, they all kind of have a personal, they all had a pers- somewhat a personal history with Thanos or at least a little bit of a history of Thanos. Like you got, you kind of got it from Iron Man. You got it from um, Thor. You got it from Hulk. Like there was at least somewhat of a history and you know, that kind of fueled that conflict. But here it's, it's like, there's nothing really fueling the conflict um, yet. And I think that's, that's like the biggest issue is that they're trying to have it set up stuff that is going to be coming later down the line in phase five, but it's like, you're trying to set that all up in an Ant-Man film. And, you know, Ant-Man was never a character that, you know, was somebody to really latch onto. He was always a character that, you know, has always been used for the comic relief side of things. I mean, because when I, so it's like, yeah, I mean, when I watch Ant film, Ant-Man films, I want to, you know, have fun with it and, you know, enjoy like the little concepts that they have. Like there's so many concepts you can create with ants, apparently. But it's, but with like this, it's like, you know, you're trying to make a big film out of a character that never really was meant to be in a big film. And when he was in a big film, it was more for comic relief. And now you have him as like the main character here and you're having him face a foe that we should already be seeing later down the line and it's nothing like against like you know paul rudd like paul rudd i think he does all right in this film although yes he does seem like he's phoning in like most of the actors here apart from jonathan majors but it's just like i don't think this was the character that needed to have this conflict with the main antagonist that's going to be around for like the next couple of films like that's just that is still that's like a big issue in terms of like what the mcu is trying to do at this point yeah it's not like we don't like ant-man like we we enjoy his character we enjoy the films but this was not the story to tell with introducing your next big bad guy like i'm honestly surprised they didn't just hold off till loki season two because we already got the variant version in season one when we talked about that um jonathan majors reprises role he's basically the same character but also isn't just because he's pretty much like this multiverse conqueror and Mm -hmm. the problem with this is that i i i guess i admire the fact that they they at least tried to set up stuff with ant-man and kang the problem is that neither story stands good on its own. Like as an Ant-Man film, if we get rid of Kang entirely, let's say he's not the, the main antagonist, the story is really just undercooked. Like hardly anything happens in the story plot-wise. Like they get into the quantum realm. They're like, oh, this world is so weird. We're like, and then um, Michelle Pfeiffer is like hiding this secret about 
this this whole society and it's about Kang basically and how he's so powerful. Let's we gotta get out of here. Like that's the plot. You can summarize the whole story in like five five seconds, and yeah. there's no it makes the characters not only a lot like especially Michelle Pfeiffer's character just makes like so many dumb decisions in terms of just like not spilling like what the like she she keeps saying that she has this secret about like I can't tell you about what's going on down here because it's detrimental to our to our world and I'm like well first of all Kang's not from our world this is an alternate universe and two when they finally get down there you would think that maybe she would actually say something but no she doesn't just like why are you why are you being so apprehensive about this it's, it just doesn't make sense and none of the characters question that the characters just feel very underdeveloped too which is a shame because i like these characters i like these actors too but they hardly do anything like paul rudd paul rudd is a fine actor honestly but it just seems like he's sleepwalking through this and like and like Evangeline Lilly as the as Wasp literally does nothing, like not a thing in this movie. Like she's hardly in it. I feel like, and um, and Ka- Catherine Newton who plays his daughter. Uh, there's like a controversy that um the original actress who played her Cassie in, in Endgame wasn't wasn't asked to return, and she found it through social media when Marvel announced that Catherine Newton was gonna was gonna take over the role, and like that's not cool marvel i you should probably tell your you should inform your actors about when they're getting recast but i don't see why they even made such a big deal about that because it's not like she does a whole lot in this movie unless they're setting her up to be one of the young avengers which will probably happen in phase six but it's just like they made such a big deal about that and she really doesn't do a whole lot like her chemistry with 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 their dad isn't really interesting either it's just like everything feels so either like unspecial or just not developed enough it's like the bare minimum they hit the bare minimum of like story beats and it's really frustrating just because it's nothing really sticks out creatively then yeah that is for sure and i think like you know Catherine newton like i mean honestly i don't think she did a bad job i think there are moments where you know she you can kind of say like okay yeah she's trying to be paul rudd's daughter in the film and you know there are times where you know i think she does have like some charm and you know i think the relationship between paul rudd and Catherine newton works out in some ways but i think it's just like it's like you said they're pretty much phoning it in and Catherine newton's a fine actress like she was really good in big little lies but she i don't think she i mean i feel like a lot of the actors are just really a supplement right now to Jonathan Majors. That's the big issue because you have yeah. a guy who's giving like his all for this villain and you know is making me excited. Like this is probably the first Avengers film where I actually felt excited, like, you know, for the next film at least, or at least seeing a character apart from Miss Marvel. Um and I feel like, you know, when you have an actor with the caliber like Jonathan Majors and then Putting them in with other actors, you know, like, yeah, are great actors like Michael Douglas is an Academy Award winner and um, Michelle Pfeiffer is always a good actress as well. But it's just like they're kind of supplementing like Kang at this at this point. And it's like they're not it's like they're not necessarily giving the best performances like that you've seen from their characters. And, you know, I've seen these actors like really can act like Paul Rudd actually can act pretty nicely like he's not a bad actor at all i mean he's kind he kind of fits in with the comedic roles all the time because you know that's just where what his chick is but it's just like you know i don't feel any stakes for these characters because i know they're all gonna make it out in the end like yeah it's like the, and that's like an issue that's always been common in marvel films it's like there's not any stakes for the main characters like nobody dies <laughs> like i mean unless like you've been in enough films or you maybe it is the time to die but it's just not very gripping like that's just the yeah, thing you know you're gonna make it out in the end there's no tension at all just because we know that kang's returning like the next Avengers film is called Avengers the Kang Dynasty. Like, he's not going to die in this film. So because of that, if you're at all an MCU fan and you know about this guy, you there's no tension and no sense of, like, fear for our protagonist's survival. 
which is not good in a superhero film. Like you want to feel some sort of unease or like, oh, are they going to make it out alive? Like, you know, they're going to make it out alive. They're setting him up to be the next bad guy. Mm -hmm. And that's really, really annoying because that's like, what is even the point other than just wanting to see Kang? And he's by far the best part of this movie. Jonathan Majors is great in this role. I think he's a very good actor too. And like, I'm excited to see what they do with Kang, like going forward. If there's, if, if that was like the goal of this movie to get me excited to see what else they're going to do with him, they succeeded in that regard because he is definitely a threat, but everything else around it is just not interesting. One thing that was really, really annoying about this movie was MODOK and <laughs> MODOK, the whole twist, which it's not even a twist because it's in the trailer. It's um, it's Corey Stoll, who is um Darren from Ant-Man 1. He basically got sent to the, everyone thought he died, but he got sent to the quantum realm and was transformed into MODOK and do you know much about Modoc? Like at I all? Mean, like I mean, because I, I do. Like I do a little bit, and he seems like a cool character. But I don't think this is pretty representative of what the character was about. I mean, the only thing, like you know, that I feel like that's always been like something of Modoc. Like I think a lot of like even like the superhero, like the Marvel superhero shows, always make fun of it, and even Phineas and Ferb made fun of it at one point. Was that Modoc is treated like a comic relief all well, the time? Yeah, Modoc's just stupid. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even like the new show of like uh, that had Patton Oswald vo voice the character. Modoc's always been a comic relief, and not to say Corey Stoll can't like pull off the comic relief type, but it's just like they really make him pretty secondary. It's like you know, it's like oh, like this is a character we could put in to make people pretty excited, and it's like. Yeah, I mean, that's all he was there for, to make people excited, and then they just take him away. It's like, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's not it's not really a character not... that I'm Sorry. like, it's not, it's not like a villain that, you know, I'm going to be like all over the wall for, like, oh, Modoc, but it's like, they don't do anything that interesting with him, and they kind of have a very rushed arc with him, too, and it just yeah. doesn't fit with the theme of the film. Like, they literally, like, the whole climax is just like, you know him not being um i don't i can't say it but like you know it's just that's basically his whole arc throughout the entire film it's just not being bad like that that's really what it is yeah yeah he, he it's not funny though like the jokes <clears throat> they give him is not is not funny and that's that's another problem with me like there are some jokes that do work because the ant-man films i don't it's not like trying to go for like large like belly laughs i feel like it's a very subtle simple sense of humor this one tries way too hard to get a laugh out of you and i think it ultimately fails more in the end and especially with moda because like first of all on the going back to the subject of the effects he looks terrible the cgi is absolutely oh atrocious it's like he looks it looks like spy kids three it's in some instances and it's not like they give him anything funny to say it's like he's basically just the butt of the joke but not for really anything that's like really funny. He just looks stupid. And oh, yeah. I was thinking like, man, if he was in like Guardians of the Galaxy or even Deadpool, you know how hilarious that would be, especially in like Deadpool, he would just be the, the butt of every single roast. And given the vulgarity and just like the overall immaturity of Deadpool, I think it would have been funnier if he were in another film or like, like in Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Because like it's mm -hmm. already such a weird world, you'll buy that anyway, and he probably would have looked a little cooler. But yeah, Mo I remember when Modok was appearing in trailers for it. Like I was interested because like Modok, Modok looks weird, but I've always liked that design. Honestly, it just looks mm -hmm. like so ridiculous. But yeah, it was just like such a bizarre choice. Yeah, I mean this movie. I mean, and it's funny. There is a way to do a practical effect with this. Like yeah, you, you could easily stop motion. Yeah. Yeah, like, like stop motion or, you know, miniature. like maybe like, I don't know, like just put Corey Stoll's head somewhere and like, you know, have the actors like, you know, do a forced perspective trick. I mean, there is a way to do this effect right. But I think like Marvel right now is just in a point where it's like Disney just wants to crank out these films because money. I mean, it's not like Disney has enough of that already. <laughs> and so I, I wouldn't I wouldn't care so much if it if he didn't look so ugly like mm -hmm. he just looks not only the design but just the quality of like the cg it look it looks really unconvincing yeah and when i'm yeah like 
when I'm getting Mr. Electric vibes from <laughs> Sharkboy and Lover Girl, where like you see George Lopez's head just scrunched up against a computer machine or not a machine but well you know like a computer screen yeah or whatever like yeah that's when you know you're running into issues yeah and it's just like it's not it's not it's not very fun i mean it really it, isn't it it's not yeah there, i was gonna say something else about like the humor and i'm blanking on it right now it just every everything feels very inconsequential Mm. like I, I think that's probably the best way to describe it even though it's trying to develop a sense of like urgency and legitimacy like hey pay attention to this because if you watch this like this is setting up everything i think kevin feige even said in a like in an interview that this is the most important mcu film since endgame i'm just like walking really? out of the i'm just like that's absolute cap i mean you're starting it's important off. but it's not that important I mean, yeah, you want to start off the phase with a bang and no, like sometimes, I mean, maybe apart from like Iron Man 1, it's like not a lot of, and Civil War, it's like, you know, not a lot of the MCU phases have started off with a bang, really. But, you know, Captain America Civil War was the first film in phase three, right? Yeah, that was first film phase three. And that started off with a big bang in Iron Man. Like, yeah, I mean, that's obviously started the MCU, but that was before, like, you know, they start to have everything in phases but it's just like this is like you know a messy thing like it's just like throwing a cake out a wall like a very <laughs> like colorful cake and this not even not even that colorful well it's not that colorful but like it's like you know the frosting kind of starts to blend in with other colors and it yeah like makes it look ugly like yeah that's it, basically what it is it's throwing a baskin robbins cake at the wall i, <laughs> I noticed too with this I remember what I was going to say out of all the Ant-Man films and maybe even this could be described for Ant-Man too, even though that was just a much more entertaining movie. Ant-Man is losing his sense of like, in terms of filmmaking wise, script wise, visual wise, it's losing that sort of like personality because Ant-Man one was originally going to be directed by Edgar Wright. And he's still credited with writing it like at least a draft. And even though he didn't direct it, you can sense the Edgar Wright, editing choices pace jokes mm-hmm. in that movie and that's to me what gives the first ant-man so much character and that kind of carried over into ant-man 2 from what i recall this one yeah. though just seems more like committee thinking like peyton reed i i don't think i've seen anything else that he's done besides the ant-man films i know he's done some other stuff yeah, but I mean, there's I think like he directed an episode of succession maybe i mean I oh did know. he I but there's he might have there's no and like there's like no directorial vision. Like even the ones that are like not as strong, like people people are starting to hate on Taika Waititi for what he did in the Thor films. That at least has Taika Waititi style, love it or hate it. That's still something. This mm-hmm. one has none of that. And that's what's really frustrating because it started off really promising. And yeah, and I was gonna I was gonna ask, we didn't talk about this. Did you like Bill Murray in it? I mean, for what he did, he was okay. I mean, you know, why, I expect, why was he I, in it though? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's like the big question. Like, why is Bill Murray in? I mean, it's like, I mean, no, like Space Jam made sense more than his appearance here. But <laughs> he it's said no like, to Ghostbusters three, but he said yes to Ant Man three. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. I mean, no, Bill Murray can do whatever he wants. I mean, he's just, I don't know, he he's been an an, an iconic enough actor, you know, to show up anywhere he wants. I mean, that's just what he wants to do and you know i mean he did all right but i was i don't know i was like guessing i was expecting a little bit more but he was just here for like about 10 minutes and then just i don't like, even think 10 minutes yeah he's like not on screen for long and nah, then he, he just really disappears isn't. yeah yeah it's like i i like bill murray a lot but i'm just like man not only is he i don't even know if he's like with wasted is the word but just like it's he's pointless he could have been played by anybody, honestly. Or, I mean, he, or he, heck, don't have don't have his character in, other than oh, yeah. like revealing a secret for Michelle Pfeiffer. His character I mean, adds nothing. Yeah, I mean, it's like also it's just like you know, it it's like I mean, Millie. I bet they just had him in the trailer for the reason just to get your dad in the seat. Like that's all it really is. Like you know, like oh yeah, you watched uh, Ghostbusters and Stripes and. You know, like a lot of good Bill Murray films, and it's like, hey, he's in the MCU now, and it's just like, yeah, he's just there. He's just there now. Yeah. I mean, I'm guessing. I mean, I'm guessing. I'm trying to think of what's inventive about this movie, apart from Jonathan Majors. I'm guessing the one thing that actually was pretty inventive was the uh, whole probability thing. 
um or you know without going into like major spoilers like you know i i think that was kind of fun at least i mean i think it was being a little bit creative like i did really like and it didn't look great but i like when they entered the quantum realm it kind of reminded me of the scene in the first doctor strange when he's traveling Mm -hmm. through um um what's it called it's like it's like yeah, like those little, uh, like those like repeated death things. And yeah, like... it reminded me of that. It didn't look as good, but I'm just like, and I was getting excited. I'm like, okay, if it's gonna be like this for the rest of the movie, like I'm, I'm all in. And then we got nothing like that afterwards. And just like it peaked as soon as we entered the world. And I'm just like, man, that's, that's a real shame. Um, <laughs> is there, is there any? I'm trying to think of if there's, there's a lot that it's funny. It's like there's a lot that happens in this movie, but it doesn't like stick out really in yeah. my mind like i don't remember a ton yeah i mean because you know if the film wanted to be like you know this fun trippy like absurdist comedy i would have, like it could marvel could have went for it i mean i would be more interesting to see like you know marvel go into these concepts because you know like it's kind of like you know if we were thinking with like doctor strange too where it's like you know oh yeah i mean sam raimi's directing it and you know, it's going to have a little bit of this horror style to it, like, and, you know, have fun with the multiverse, but, you know, it didn't, like, it just didn't. It but at least that had a personality, though. That oh, yeah. sticks and, out on, like, any other MCU oh, film. Oh, yeah, because Raimi's directing. I mean, if Raimi did not direct that film, it would have been Ant-Man Quantumania. Like, that, and, and there's not even Quantumania in this, either. Yeah, what, like... what, the title sucks. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's such not... a stupid title. They don't mention it anywhere, and it's just, it's a mouthful. You honestly just could have called it Ant-Man the Lost Quantum Realm. Because yeah. that's what the movie's about. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's... I mean, at least Thor, too, like, uh, Dark World, like... I mean, I mean, it had a dark a world, yeah, but was, I mean, uh, it's still worse. But I mean, it had a dark world in it. But, but Thor, Thor: Love and Thunder is a goofy title, but at least that kind of fits, and it's not like fifty syllables. Like, oh yeah, this the title is just a mouthful, and it's not a good title. Just call it Ant Man Three, honestly. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I mean, I'm guessing, like you know, like is there like I mean, I'm guessing for me, it's like you know. I'm guessing it does get me excited for more Jonathan Majors um, as Kang. I mean, it does. And, you know, we'll see what happens with, like, Guardians 3. Um, like, we'll see what happens. But it's like Marvel's just had a phase where right now they're still trying to find something to latch on to. I mean, and, you know, what Fate, I mean, and no, I don't like comparing it to, like, phases one through three so many times that, you know, at least there is something to latch onto with those. Like, oh, yeah, you're going to be building up to this big bad guy. And now it's just the reverse where it's like, I mean, no, Loki did it well. Like, Loki mm-hmm. was able, I think Loki's able to, like, you know, if they were able to just, you know, have it just be Loki, I think I would be fine with it. Like, where, you know they were hyping up the bad guy for the next phase, which, you know, I like. And now it's just like, okay, you're doing it with Ant-Man now and you already revealed, like, what this guy is. And, like, now we're just going to get more variants of him. I don't know. Is that going to ruin the phase now? Like, that's just something. Like, it's yeah. just no nothing to latch on to. Nothing to yeah. latch on to. Yeah, I guess, should we go into final thoughts? ratings yeah final thoughts ratings that's underwhelming i mean (laughs) just very underwhelming i mean you can say a lot it's like it's one of those films you know a lot just a lot happens in it but nothing happens (laughs) in it like it's just a good way to describe it yeah i mean it's like i mean i know like you compared it to rise of skywalker which yeah i mean that's a good comparison it's like you know a lot happens in that film but nothing happens at all it just goes through the motions we expected to go through it doesn't really take many unexpected turns that we were hoping for um and yeah i mean the biggest issue really is just having ant-man in the film which you know is a shame because you know i like this character i really like those films i mean to honestly the films that have probably the most rewatchability at least if you want to play the mcu out of order because it it really just like has its own style and personality to them and here it's just like they just lose sight of the style and now it's like oh yeah we got our big villain here and yeah nothing happens like really 
So, I mean, I think I'd just really give it a disappointingly four out of 10. I mean, it's not a very interesting film and, you know, at least it gets me hyped for the villain. At least it gets me hyped for the villain. Yeah, just overall, it's just kind of dull. Like, I, it seems like we have a very similar opinion, just like not a lot happens. You know, they try to like have so many prospects of like, this is such an important film when it just fails to stand on its own on like the other Ant-Man films. Like it feels, a, I admire a shift in like identity and tone, but the problem is that it was just such a poorly done shift in, shift in tone and identity that just comes off as like not only generic but also unimpressive like not an interesting story no no inter- characters aren't interesting the world is boring the world is ugly and it's just mm-hmm. like so many things that sound interesting on paper but are ultimately don't ultimately doesn't succeed in the end other than Jonathan Majors as Kang so I'm looking forward to that and if I don't know if they're ever gonna I don't know if they're gonna do another Ant-Man movie like I'm sure Ant-Man will return obviously but let's say they do ant-man 4 i hope it's not like this they mm-hmm. should go back to the to the roots of ant-man 1 and have it just be a smaller story about scott lang just like breaking into some facility shrinking or like stealing some money from a bank or some i don't know just do yeah. do something like that do something small do, never never return to the quantum realm please so yeah ant-man the lost quantum mania just an underwhelming movie honestly i i didn't like flat out hate it but it was just not it's not a good movie so yeah, not a good start. I'm gonna give it a four out of ten as well. So yeah. Now we're gonna move on from Ant-Man Quantum Mania to RRR. RRR is a Indian Telugu language action film directed by SS Rajamuli. And I apologize in advance for mispronouncing these names. I probably will. The cast it comprises of NT Rama Rama Rao Jr., Ram Charan, AJ Devine. Alia Bhatt, Shreya Saran, Ray Stevenson, Allison Duty, and Olivia Morris. And the plot of RRR is that it's about two fictional versions of two Indian revolutionaries and who fight against the British Raj. This takes place in the 1920s when the when Britain ruled over India, and it explores their friendship and like action and just all kinds of stuff this is an insane movie on all fronts and i'm very interested to hear what you have to say about this film yeah so r r r r geez that sounds bad <laughs> um triple r i'm just gonna call it that um it's i know i knew when it came out and i when it came out people were hyping it up so much um and it's like you know one of those like it's like one of those films like once in a while where like you just see the hype around it's insane and then when it comes out people just adore it and like i see like all the letterbox reviews of like people just giving it nine out of tens and tens out of ten out of tens and for a while i avoided it because i mean for starters i'm not really I'm not really interested in like the Bollywood productions but i mean i guess like you know i kept an open mind for it um and you know people were just like hyping it up and like people were just falling in love with it and so i just decided like you know between now and like you know the release date it's like i just wanted to like you know at least like avoid it (laughs) just so that way you know i don't have my expectations super high and stuff like that so and i think that was like the right call because yeah this this is a good film like it is a really good film i think it's a very fun film i definitely do like how it takes advantage of the Bollywood elements and just like you know runs away with it like that's the one thing I really enjoy about the film and that it has a style to it a very good style to it that you know it's kind of cheesy it's corny but you know it knows what it is I think it and you know it has elements that I think really work and I think the biggest one is definitely the main um characters and their chemistry I think if it wasn't for just having the idea of having these two historical figures together, I think it wouldn't have been as fun and it has fun with it. And yeah, I mean, it's just a very action-packed film and, you know, I, I really like films like these. Um, And no, I don't think it's perfect. I think it's far from it, but I do think it's like one of those films that, you know, I wouldn't mind just like sitting down and watching for an hour in the theater, like for a couple hours, well, three hours in the theater and just have fun with. And yeah, I mean, our Triple R is a very 
like fun fun film yeah rrr well first first of all the title rrr is an acronym which is rise roar revolt and it's because those are the i guess the chapters in this film Mm -hmm. and it's an indian film but apparently it's not a bollywood film technically which i found out kind of recently i'm not sure what and i'll probably get some stuff wrong but i'm not really sure what the real differences are considering this has a lot of the conventions of bollywood films that i'm aware of so basically it's not considered a bollywood film even though it has a lot of those conventions so anyway rrr um this is truly just insane like it is it can it's over three hours long i'm trying to think of even where to start because i've seen yeah. this film twice now first time i saw it was on netflix because that's where it's currently streaming and i liked it a lot but i knew something was missing and i was like i need to see this in theaters so I was fortunate enough to see this in the theater at film scene last week, but as the time of recording this, and it was wild. This is this is like Top Gun Maverick and everything ever all at once, where it's like you need to see this in the theater or else you're not going to get the same experience because it's so action-packed, it's so relentless, and seeing it with the crowd, with everyone cheering at like all the right moments of just how entertaining this movie is, it is almost like transcending just because it's so much fun. And... It, compri- it has so many elements too. Like it's it's mostly action, and the action scenes are beyond impressive. Like the scale and the pace, and just the overall like wild wild things that happen. Like there's a scene where a guy is like running away from a tiger, or when they're when they like break into this like palace, and then he like brings out a car full of animals, and like he throws a motorcycle at one point. Just like it's 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 ridiculous, but it knows it's ridiculous. Like it's not trying to go for realism. This isn't like an espionage mission impossible type thriller. It knows it's goofy and it has fun with it. So that's why you buy the absurdities of the action. But even then it's just so cool to watch. Like this is some action that you'll never see in any other film. And the story is simple. It's, it's primarily a friendship movie, a bromance movie, and also explores different sides of like class and the, like the themes of like colonialism too. Like there's a lot going on under the surface too, but it's just entertaining as well. And not just action, but it's like, there's an entire like music, music video type scene, the Natu Natu scene. This movie is nominated for best original song for Natu Natu. And it'll probably win at this rate just because that whole scene has some of the most impressive choreography, dance choreography I've seen in a movie in a long time. And it's just, I'm like, it just sounds like I'm saying stuff, but it's like, it's hard to just give a genuine, like detailed analysis or review of this movie, just because so much happens. You just have to like talk about scenes and that's the best type of movie. So if you can tell, I love this movie. It's so (laughs) entertaining and it's so much fun to watch primarily in the theater though. It's good. It's good at home, but in the theater, it elevates it to a new level. Yeah, and I I was unfortunately one of those people that missed out last weekend to go catch it um, at film scene. Like, you know, life is just life, so I couldn't necessarily <laughs> go and, and see it. Um, but I do have to say, yeah, it is, and it's a very fun film. I think it, like you said, it just knows what it is. And, you know, I can't really think of anything really bad about it. I mean, I guess the thing that, you know, does kind of drag on a little bit is the runtime, which, you know, I was definitely intimidated by when I like, saw, like, oh, people are talking about this and look at the runtime. And it's like, geez, like, I mean, no, I know there's films longer than this. Like, The Irishman is super long. Avatar 2. Yeah, Avatar 2. At least this had an intermission, though, in the theater. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah just like. I mean, yeah, when luckily, and, you know, the advantage of streaming is, like, you know, I could just turn it off and walk away. I mean, no, just like some films I don't want to do that with, like, um, The Irishman, for example, because, you know, that film can hook me for a long, for a super long time, despite the runtime. Here, it's like, you know, it's excessive, but it's excessive in the best ways. And, you know, I mean, sometimes, like, you know, films that could be super excessive can really get carried away with it, like Elvis this year where yeah. you know that film got carried so like was so carried away with the excessiveness of elvis and you know the hype around the guy and it's just like it got tiring after a <laughs> while and here it's like 
it does get a little bit tiring, but you can't help but have fun because, you know, it's just the absurdity of it all. Like, it's how everything everywhere at once is so overwhelming, but you just, it's a good type of overwhelming. And that's like the best way to describe RRR. It's like, it's just very insane to watch and the actors just have fun. And I really enjoy it. I think it definitely is one of those films that you gotta like, definitely see like you know every now and then i mean i really do like the uh music i mean arguably enough i do i like the first song like um i think it's a boltsy much better than not to not to but not not to not to is, is, still... it the, is it the song when the title comes up um it's or like is it the, the other one it's like the song after they say the kid from the bridge like yeah the I, title song yeah the title song yeah that's I, a good song yeah i mean i actually liked that a little more because i it's kind of like one of those like not like a sea shanty but like one of those like songs that you know tells a story in some way and you know you just get into it and it has a good vibe to it yeah, I mean, the, the, the lyrics are kind of funny too like in a oh, good yeah, way I'm not, I'm not making fun of the movie but it's like there's one the trans i don't know how accurate the translation is but it's something like this is going to be a story about friendship it's like it tells the it tells you what to expect in the song yeah. like, i love that that's so awesome yeah and it, it has a good beat to it and like a good rhythm to it i mean i'm always in the music that kind of has that variety of rhythm sometimes um and i mean i think it, it takes advantage of it and not, not to not to is still a fun song too i think it like you know this the whole dance like the whole dance scene is like you know probably one of the best scenes i've seen in a while that includes dancing maybe since something like lava land but yeah and, i mean even like in the heights probably had like some really good dance scenes as well but i feel like this one it's like you know it's just inventive and you kind of see like just how fun they have it with like all these different angles and you know and how it sporadic it is because you know the thing about bollywood films is that you know you don't know that it's going to get into like this dance scene like or even like singing for that matter and that's kind of like the fun part about it like she you think like okay yeah, the film is gonna you know just have like a phil collins type style to it where it's like you know they, phil collins is just gonna sing all the lyrics while the other characters just kind of doing whatever but no, it just goes straight into a dance scene, and it's fun. It's yeah, it's, a, it's a fun scene. Any anything goes really with RRR, and that's to me what makes it so entertaining. Like the first time watching it, I was like, I was almost kind of overwhelmed in a way, just because so much happens and at such a rapid pace, especially in the first half. Like mm -hmm. in terms of just like changing styles, emotions, moods, and tones, it's just like what is even happening right now it's probably it's probably just like a, it's definitely a stylistic choice and maybe even just like a um difference in culture and how film how films are that are like in india but it's like i don't care i'm having fun with this like oh, if yeah. this if this were any other movie if it was handled like poorly it would just be annoying honestly oh, or yeah. it would say like the movie has no focus but this one it just the goal is to entertain and yes this is it's interesting that you made the elvis comparison which i didn't really think about until now why Elvis is overwhelming is because it's trying to go for fact almost. It's like, this is the Elvis story, like sort of like the truth behind it, but it's presented almost like a, like a carnival. Like it's just a weird yeah. style choice. Like yeah. I know I, we've, we've ranted about Elvis enough, like on Bijou Panther. So I don't want to beat a dead horse, but in RR it's based on, they're based on real revolutionaries, but it's clearly not meant to be a documentary or a biography. It's meant to be entertaining. It's like, it's an it's labeled as an epic action drama and this director um ss rajamuli is definitely a fan of like escapist action like he cited indiana jones as like a big influence and you could see a lot of that here even inglorious bastards by quentin tarantino how that blends the historical um horrors of like what countries have done like in terms of just like how they treat citizens and just the actions of that but also combining that with almost an exaggerated take on history. So there's so many influences that come from there. And it's just, yeah, it's almost like, I guess if I had to criticize the movie, like I don't really have a problem with the length, to tell you the truth, especially on a second watch, you get more used to it. I think in the second half, it kind of repeats events a little one too many times, mm -hmm. especially when like, okay, we, the two characters, let me pull, I'm for some reason, I'm playing on names. We have, we have Komaram Beam and 
Aluri Sitarmi Raju, so Raju and Beam. Um, Raju, he's a police officer who is, he's basically tasked with trying to find um, this campaign. He's campaigning against the British Raj and is trying to find Beam or Beam's brother because he did like this crime. And if he, he gets him or Beam, he'll be promoted to like an admiral. And so there's like that tension and conflict right there. And of, of course, by the time we get after the first half, they get he gets captured and then their friendship is in jeopardy once that happens in the second half when they try like beam tries to escape or he's trying to help out his friend it kind of it kind of repeats this the same main action scenes about twice and it just seems mm -hmm. like it's dragged out a little long i know in general indian films tend to be three hours so maybe this is just this is just very very normal but it's a little it's an interesting structure that at least for an american audience is definitely different but i understand the point of it i'm not trying to just, just to clarify, I'm not trying to like discredit like any cultural differences. So it's just, it's just kind of, di it's different basically. And you, you have to know that going into this movie. Yeah, because it is stuff like a film, like, you know, that, you know, it is going to be overwhelming at points and, you know, people and, you know, there's things that are going to be a little bit different compared to what we see like here in the U.S. and, you know, I mean, you know, India has always like, you know, had like this certain style to like what they do. I mean, I actually was just like sometimes we're like, um, you know, I'm like a huge like hip hop fan. And, you know, they sometimes do like their own certain covers of rap songs. And it's very different and very like um, different from like, you know, the original styles of the songs. Like, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if anybody listened to like 21 Savages a lot, but, you know, the song has a different vibe in india um like with the indian language and it does of like you know the original version of the song but you know it's just something you know you got to realize that you know it's just kind of seen differently and you know they kind of do they have fun with it and that's the thing about our our art is that it has fun with its idea it has fun with its concept and, and and it knows what it is i mean it knows that it's a three-hour epic and and yeah, there could be points where, you know, yeah, because goes into um, some cliche, some story elements that, you know, we would see as cliche. But, you know, it's still a very, like, fun film. I think it's just a film that, you know, you just got to know, like, the cultural context maybe going into it. Or, you know, just know that, you know, you're not going to be experiencing a, a film that is going to be, like, what we see here in the States. Um, it's kind of what, you know, what you expect from like, you know, Kung Fu films or South Korean Kung Fu films. Like it's those type of films where, you know, they have like IP Man, for example, like though that film has its own type of style to it. And like John Woo. Or John Especially. Woo, like John Woo has his certain style or old boy, like, you know, it's just, it's those type of, or even like what the Raid films, um, you know, those oh, films yeah. are, I've never are, seen those, but I've heard, I've heard a lot of things. Yeah. It's like, you know, those, th these type of films have their certain type of style because that's what's rooted in the culture that, you know, it's from. And, you know, I think, and I think, you know, people shouldn't be discriminated by that. I think no. they should, you know, come in with like an open mind, just, but just knowing that the context is that it's from a different country and that it's going to be shot a little differently and you know i think that's a good thing it's always good to have an open mind with something like this yeah it's kind of like what what happened with parasite three years ago mm -hmm. how that basically was just a international sensation because rrr is at least from what i've uh, from what i've seen this is definitely the most attention i've ever seen an indian film get like there's there's youtube videos like this when this played at the chinese theater for like a los angeles film festival people were like stand giving a standing ovation like cheering mm -hmm. like crazy so this film clearly broke into the mainstream in america which i'm interested in because i didn't hear about it until like it came out on netflix it's for some reason like tr like started trending really hard in like mm -hmm. may of 2022 i don't know what it what it was about this one maybe just because of how crazy it is but this isn't the only film like it like there's a lot of films in india that have like this very stylized action blend of different genres and styles too and that that makes me happy to see an international film get this um, this much attention just because it opens like it's like a gateway pretty much like if oh, you yeah. like rr check out this film and then check out that film and so on and so forth it just becomes 
like a cycle where it's like more people are going to discover these types of films that have been ignored, unfortunately, at least in, in the States. So seeing that is important. And I think that's why I, I keep telling people to, to check this film out if they would like to, just because A, it's entertaining, but B, it's a different type of film that they most likely haven't seen before. Oh, yeah. And it's like, you know, if like a film like this is getting such a wild mainstream reaction, like in terms of like, you know, the fact that it wasn't nominated for any other Oscars, like, I think that's a good thing. It just shows, yeah. like, you know, the, 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 like the American public here really like this film and like, or in, are in love with this film. And, you know, it is going to kind of, it is breaking those barriers. I mean, yeah, I really do wish it was nominated for more than just best song. Like it could have been nominated for best, um, best international feature film, or even could have been nominated for like best cinematography, set design. I don't the edit, know. The that, editing is really good. Yeah. The editing. I mean, it could have been nominated for those categories. I mean, I mean, I don't think it would have been nominated for visual effects. I don't think the visual effects were like, groundbreaking by any means but you know there were fun effects i mean it, in my opinion it looked better than black panther wakanda forever so <laughs> there's yeah. there's that yeah this was yeah. this was being pushed for a best picture nomination yeah which, it was which i was like that's great personally as much as i love this film i i was kind of iffy whether or not i even get the nomination so people were saying it was a disappointment and yeah it is but also it's like i'm not super surprised that this didn't get the nomination India didn't submit this for best international feature because they were very confident that this would get the, the best picture nom. So at least it got one and it, it wasn't like decision to leave where it got completely snubbed. Yeah, I'm still salty and, about that. Oh um, yeah. I mean, I think we're all pretty salty about that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, I yeah, mean, I don't know. SS Rajamuli won best director for the New York film critics circle, which yeah. that's amazing. Cause they're, that's a very high honor high prestige for any filmmaker to achieve and for him to receive that for this film says a lot and it is a very impressively directed movie just because there's so much happening in every single scene even the scenes where it's not even action oriented like the scene with b when beam's about to be like it's sort of a spoiler but also the movie's been out for a while when he's about to be executed mm -hmm, almost yeah. or like like publicly hung like that that's not really an action scene but there's so much happening like in the background like with how many extras there's like hundreds of extras on the street and just their reactions and how it's all about rising re and revolting against the the um imperialistic forces and it's like yeah it's a not a new story by any means but it's handled in a way that's just flat out enter entertaining and not meant to be taken seriously mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's like, you know, that's like the best type of film. I mean, it's like, you know, a film that can give you such a roller coaster of emotion to like, you know, being super entertained to like, you know, feeling super invested in these characters. And, you know, that's the best type of film like that. That is just what the film is. And, you know, I'm, I'm really happy I saw it. I mean, I, even though, yeah, I gave myself the distance from it when it was released and people were just going nuts for it and you know, I'm, I'm glad I saw it. I'm glad I saw it now because, you know, in that way, the hype didn't, that way, the hype didn't ruin the film for me. Yeah. Should, should we move into final thoughts or do you, yeah. is there anything else you want to talk I about? Mean, or... I mean, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, those are basically my final thoughts. I mean, this is a, just a fun film. That's a film that, you know, you can just go into, um, go into like open-minded and enjoy it i mean obviously the thing just keep in mind that you know that yeah it, it does come from a different country but you know we shouldn't approach every film in a way where it's like oh if it's from a different country i'm not gonna watch it like no like give yourself the open mind there's a lot of great films out there um from other countries that are not america that you know have changed a lot of things parasite obviously is a big example and you know rrr can definitely also be an example so yeah i mean i really enjoyed this film and yeah, i'm gonna give this a eight out of ten yeah it is a absolute blast i if if you have the opportunity to see this in theaters like if if a repertory screen is in is in your area or there's like a one night event please 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 check it out if you would like to or just in general, just check this movie out if you would like to, because it's so much fun and it's so interesting and different. And that's the thing, like 
there's so many action films that have no personality and don't do anything new with the genre. Like what was the one, what was the, the Netflix one with Ryan Gosling? What, what was that? Oh, that was uh, the great, the gray man. Yeah. (laughs) That that movie's terrible. That's a bad action film. Don't settle for something like that. Check out something like RRR because it's like, it changes the way you look at action films and just entertaining blockbusters as a whole, because there's so much happening. It's, and it's not just brainless. Like there is actually food for thought. Like it gives you interesting and likable characters. There's some interesting political and social subtext to it as well. There's stuff there that makes me want to come back and rewatch this three hour and seven minute long movie again. So yeah, as a whole, it's completely, it's, it's awesome. It's just such a cool movie and highly recommend checking out if you would like to, whether it be on Netflix or in a theater near you, um, great music, great visuals, great everything. It's just awesome. Uh, I'm going to give it a nine out of 10. I highly recommend it. And that concludes this episode of Bijou Banter. Tune in next week where we're going to be talking. We're going to continue our, uh, I guess our Oscars catch up. It's sort of been an unofficial um, few weeks, but um, we're going to talk about After Sun and All Quiet on the Western Front, the Netflix remake not the original from the 30s. So yeah, until next time, I've been Matthew. And I've been Daniel. And we will see you all next time. Bye-bye.